Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgivings, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. For many people, these are indeed anxious days that we're living in. Uh, with the COVID pandemic and, and the shutdowns and the subsequent recession that's happening, and anxiety seems to be coming from all different directions for different people. Uh, surprisingly, the Australian newspaper today, uh, sorry, during the week, ha had a bit of an article in it about how it seems to be um, the opposites who are afraid of what they should be afraid of, right? So the, the elderly Australians who are most at risk of COVID, well, they're less concerned about their health and more concerned about the recession and what that's going to do to their retirement savings. Um, whereas those who are least at risk of COVID um, are the ones who are more concerned about their health um, so that the younger folk uh, are more concerned that, that, uh, about their health and less concerned about their loss of income, even though they're the ones who are more losing their jobs. So, but nevertheless, um, there's people who are anxious for all sorts of reasons, either for their own health or for the health of their loved ones or because they've lost their li livelihoods. Now, over the last few weeks, we've talked a fair bit about having an eternal perspective. And we can sum it up in what Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Right? So, even if this life that we have is cut short and we die, that's okay. Uh, because being in glory with Christ is actually even better than physical life. But here's the thing. In the midst of our anxiety, we should never see death as the way out of our pain. And so today we're going to be talking about joy, prayer, and dealing with anxiety and depression while we live. And there should be no surprises that the answers to these problems that many people face are found in Christ Jesus. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ restores joy to the depressed and it restores peace to the anxious. And these are not mere empty platitudes. It's true. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ gives joy to the depressed and peace to the anxious. Now, for a nation that, compared to the rest of the world, we have so much, don't we? And compared to the rest of the world, we're really very safe. And yet it seems that we've become a people who are plagued by anxiety and depression. 
And for many who, who have never suffered anxiety or depression, they just don't understand it and they can never understand it. And, um, and sometimes we just want to say to somebody, just, just cheer up. That's what you've got to do. Just, just cheer up or stop being so sad, will you? And yet, I don't know if you know or not, whenever one of us say that to somebody who's really depressed, that just makes them want to cry because they want to be happy. They just can't. The most miserable couple of months of my life was when I had glandular fever. Um, I've never suffered depression before that and I've never suffered it since then. But for those couple of months, no matter how joyous the moment, I just, I just felt sad. Um, and I only discovered, when, when I finally found out that I had glandular fever, I only discovered then that one of the symptoms of glandular fever is depression. And so I was tired, I was lethargic, my body ached, I had headaches, I, I had no energy at all, but the worst part of it was I was just sad. Now, in Romans chapter 8, we're told that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And I reckon that God either allowed me to have glandular fever or he gave me glandular fever so that for a short period of time, I could experience what it's like for a person to live with depression. Now, for me, it was awful, um, but I'll never forget what it was like. And I'm pretty sure that if I hadn't have experienced that, I would still be the bloke that says, just get over it, will you? And, and through the years, I've had to deal with many people who struggle with depression and anxiety. And how could I ever empathise with them if this hadn't happened to me? So, strangely enough, I actually thank God that all those years ago that he gave me glandular fever. Um, I'm even more glad that he healed me of it too. <laughs> I'm glad I don't still have it. Now, what we're learning today is not just for those who are clinically depressed or for those who, who suffer anxiety. It is for all of us. Um, and we'll, we'll probably all just apply it in different ways. So, in verse 4, we get presented with the proper state of mind for a disciple of Jesus. And by verse 8, he's telling us how to get there. Right? So he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Now, if we were to just leave it at that, somebody who's depressed and anxious, well, that's not going to help them a whole lot. Because to them, that's just like saying, cheer up. Or just... just get over it, will you, and, and start rejoicing. But you know what? There are three words in there that make, it, make all the difference. There's three words that give the key to finding joy. I've got two fingers up. I'll go three. Three fingers. Three words there that give the key to finding joy. In the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. Again, I'll say it. Rejoice. Now, I got a friend, and uh, he has visited this church once, um, and he might even be listening today because he does listen in occasionally. Hello, Jim, if you're listening. Um, but 
he used to run these canoe camps that I used to go on. And he, he sort of comes from a corporate type background and, and he had all of these motivational exercises. Now, I'm gonna demonstrate one now. I'm gonna, can everybody please stand up? This is, this is to warm you up on a, on a cold winter's morning. Now, I want you to put your hands out like you're working a jackhammer, right? You've seen a jackhammer, right? Now, we're gonna say, act enthusiastic and you'll be enthusiastic and you have gotta be jumping up and down as you do it. You ready? enthusiastic and you'll be enthusiastic. I'm not seeing any feet leaving the ground. Let's try again. Act enthusiastic and you'll be enthusiastic. Still not a lot of feet leaving the ground and sometimes it's the toes stay on the ground to give a bit. Let, let's try that again. But this time we're actually going to add movement into it and we're going to move, be moving to the right and then back to the left hand. You ready? One, two, three. Act enthusiastic and you'll be enthusiastic. Act enthusiastic and you'll be enthusiastic. Act enthusiastic and you'll be enthusiastic. Act enthusiastic and you'll... Right? Okay, you can all sit down now. Now, when he used to do these things, um, exactly the same thing just happened here, right? It sort of just brightens us up and we're feeling a whole lot better and, and, and so I can see some smiles on the faces and... And that's all good. Now, so sometimes we'd be paddling, some of the days of paddling would be fun with lots of bits of rapids and twists and turns. And then other days, big, long straights where you paddle for, a, for an hour and you don't get to a bend in the river. Well, he'd pull us off to the side and do one of those exercises and everybody would be happy again. Now, is that what Paul's talking about here? Act joyful and you'll be joyful. No. It's not. A number of years ago, uh, one of our local churches ran a, a workshop on leading worship, and they had a guest speaker come in from out of town. And this person said to us, no matter how rotten your week's been, if you're leading worship, um, you've got to be happy and smiling, and, right? So you've got to be joyful. And so, you know, you might have lost your job during the week and on the way to church, you might have backed out and run over the cat. And, but when you get to church, you've got to put all that aside and, and put the smile on your face and, and you've got to be joyful. But that isn't exactly what they said. I don't think they said that about the cat, but that's what they're getting at, right? Um, and so they said, you know, you got, if you start acting joyfully, it won't be long and you'll be joyful. Now... If any of you know me, you sort of probably guess how, how I sort of process that. Well, that's, that's just falsehood. And God doesn't want us to ever be false. And so he doesn't want us to pretend to be what we're not. And then to t top it all off, I said, yeah, and it's not faking it, it's faithing it, right? So they said, in faith, start behaving as if you're joyful, and you'll become joyful because the last thing that anyone wants to see at church is somebody up the front who's sad. But you know what? When Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always, he wasn't saying pretend to be rejoicing. The, the Greek word for rejoice, chireti, it, it's an imperative, it's a command we must do it, right? And doing it has absolutely nothing to do with pretending. And it's got nothing to do with faking or, or even acting 
even if you want to make it sound religious by putting in faith, um, as it's sometimes claimed. We are commanded, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he backs it up again by repeating it. He says, again, I'll say it, rejoice. Let your reasonableness, um, last week we covered this, gentleness, graciousness, be known to everyone, the Lord is at hand. Right Now, why do we rejoice? Why do we rejoice? Even in the midst of pain and sorrow, because the Lord is at hand. And yes, the Lord is at hand because Jesus is coming back soon. And yes, the Lord is at hand because when we die, we get to go and be with him in glory. But the Lord is also at hand in a more immediate fashion, right here, right now. The Lord is with us. The Lord is at hand. He is with us in every moment of joy. He's with us in every moment of sorrow. He's with us when we're feeling blessed and he's with us when we're feeling the hardship. He's with us in wealth and he's with us in poverty. He's with us when we're in a place of safety and he's with us when we're in the midst of danger. He's with us when we are feeling confident and he's with us when we're feeling anxious. Rejoice in the Lord always. The Lord is at hand. And because the Lord is at hand, don't be anxious about anything. How couldn't we be when the Lord is right there with us? What, what have we got to be afraid of? Don't be anxious. Pray about it. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I had a boss once. Um, it was, by my standards, a, a large-ish workplace. Um, and there was, a, there was a bit of a problem that was impacting the service that we provided, and, and it was impacting the section in which I worked. Things weren't going as smoothly as what they should and, and I but I was really frustrated because I just wanted to fix it right so I'm sort of I just want to if I see a problem I want to manage it I want to fix it deal with it move on um, but I didn't have the authority to do that and it was really getting to me this thing that needed fixing so that to me it wasn't that hard but I just didn't have the authority and the big boss of our workplace, he, he, he saw that there was something wrong with my demeanour and he could see that I wasn't happy and, and so he talked about it. And he said to me, Michael, there's no problems in life. And I looked at him, I thought, yeah, okay. And then he went on, he said, if you think you've identified a problem, ask yourself the question, is it surmountable? Is it something that I can fix? And if the answer is yes, well, fix it, and you've got no problem. But if the answer is no, it's not surmountable, no, I can't fix it, well, it's not a problem for you. It's a problem for somebody else, or it's just not a problem because it's just the way of life. And so there's no problem. And I've always remembered that. And you might want to write that off as a bit of psycho babble, but you know what? When I consider the godly wisdom in our passage for today, I'm hearing something pretty similar. If I'm anxious about anything, take it to the Lord in prayer. And once I've left it with the one who's responsible, 
I've got nothing to worry about. It's not my problem anymore. But what do we learn about prayer here? It says, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Right, I'm going to say something now which gets on my goat. All right, so I'm sort of going to just going to ride my hobby horse for a bit, just put up with me. I hear some prayers from some traditions and they are the most self-centered, demanding, presumptuous, pushy prayers that we could ever utter. Now, I want you to consider, what kind of a relationship are we in with God? He's our heavenly father, isn't he? And we're his children. And so when we pray, we communicate with God as the father that he is. And that's why Jesus said, when you pray, do it like this. And how did he start off? Our Father. Now, for those of you who are parents, I want you to imagine if your child came to you to talk to you like this. Or for those of you who don't have kids, um, imagine that you're the child coming to your mother or your father to talk to them like this. You ready? Dad, I believe you're going to provide for me today. There's an opportunity for me to go on a camp with my mates and I'm believing that you're going to provide for me to go to that camp. In fact, I can see it. You're going to fill out the form. You're going to, you're going to write out the check and I can see it right now. You're driving me to the bus to put me on the bus. In your name, Dad, I am believing for this. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad. Oh, Dad, you are so good. You're going to provide for this camp and I'm thanking you for it now. I... I'm acting as if it's already happened. You've already provided it for me. You've already written out the check. I can see it, Dad. And I thank you that you've given parental consent for me to go to that camp. I'm believing for this. Now, would you ever talk to your dad like that? Any takers? It's just stupid, isn't it? How should we talk to our Heavenly Father? In everything, by prayer, and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Prayer, Lord, I'm anxious about this. Lord, this is something that's worrying me. Lord, can you deal with it? Supplication, that simply means ask or request. Never demand. We're not in a position to demand. And we're not in a position to, re to presume. We request, Lord, I I'm anxious for this reason. Will you please fix this? Um, Lord, I'm asking for you to do this particular thing, but Lord, if you've got a better way, Lord, forget about what I'm asking for. And Lord, may your will be done. And, and Lord, do it your way. Will you please provide what I need? Will you please provide what is best? And with thanksgiving, we've always got so much to be thankful for. We have always got so much to, to give praise to God for. Even when we are in need, we might be in dire need, we still have so much to give thanks for. This is how we should pray. And isn't that pretty much how Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. See, when we pray, it's not meant to be some kind of manic, hype God up cheer squad thing. It's about supplication. It's about thanksgiving. It's about making our requests known to God. And, and when we've done that, the peace of God, a, a peace which goes beyond human comprehension, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. You see, this is where faith kicks in. Do I believe that God is a good heavenly father? Do you believe that? I hope so. I do. Do I believe that God loves me? Well, that was settled once and for all at the cross. God loves us so much that he gave his only son to die for us. Well, how much does God know? Do, do I believe that God knows what I'm going through? Of course I do. Our Heavenly Father knows what we need even before we ask him. And when we believe these things about God, doesn't that change the whole way that we pray? You see, in a way, when I pray, I'm not revealing to God what I need, even though I bring him my requests, even though I bring to him the supplications, I'm not revealing to him what I need because he already knows. Something else is happening here. Prayer is a humbling of ourselves before God to own up to the fact that we need him. And don't we teach our children this? Um, we know when it comes to dinner time, we, we know that the children might be needing a bit of salt on the meal or, or a bit of whatever. We, we know these things, but we don't just do it for them even though we know, do we? What do we ask? We teach them pleases and thank yous because that's part of interaction, not only with people, but particularly between children and parents and particularly between us and God. And so prayer is humbling ourselves before God to, to own up to the fact that we need him. It's acknowledging that, that we are weak and he is strong. It's a putting aside of all of our own self-confidence and acknowledging, God, I'm at your mercy in this. And Lord, lead me, guide me, provide for me. Now, I, I think... Um, Rural folk have got a distinct advantage here over city folk. I mean, we, we live with a dependence on God all the time. We know that, that no matter how good a farmer you are, there's nothing you can do unless the rain comes. And so we know we're totally dependent upon our Heavenly Father in the most basics of life. But we've got to realise that it's not only in the most basics of life, it, it's all of life we're dependent on God. And so in faith, we cast all our concerns onto God. And once we've done that, there's peace. And it's a peace that goes beyond human comprehension. Um, I've got a little illustration here. 
Thanks, Billy. And to illustrate the way that we have peace, even in the midst of trouble, uh, when we just take everything to God, I'm putting up a picture here now. Um, It's a picture which has been painted by Jack E. Dawson, and it's simply called Peace in the Midst of the Storm. And when you look at that picture, all you can see is is storm happening. There's lightning crashing, and there's and there's the you can see that the trees are windswept, and the and the water, the the floodwaters are gushing over the rocks there, and it looks anything but peace. But if you look down, you can see this little white bird on its nest in a cleft in the rock. Can you see it? And there's a picture of peace. That bird just trusting in the rock, right? So we'll zoom back out again now. Um, but there's a couple of other hidden images in here as well. Do you see the face that represents Jesus? But we also realise that that there's, um, you know, while we're living in this world, we're going to come under attacks of Satan and there's an image also put into here of, um, of evil, but you see the cross and you see the way that the cross covers the evil. And so um, in Christ, we can be in peace even in the midst of a storm. I find it interesting that when we hand everything over to God in prayer, that the peace that God gives us will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, The heart relates to the centre of our feelings and the mind relates to our thoughts and our thought processes. And the way that we process stuff with our head often affects how we feel. And how we feel often affects how we process stuff with our head. And psychologists recognise this and they do this thing called cognitive behavioural therapy, CBT, they call it. And I'm not going to go into that now because I'm not a psychologist. Um, I'm a preacher and I'm a a Bible teacher. And we're going to be looking at what God says about this. But what we're learning today is that the peace from Christ guards our hearts and it guards our minds But we've got a part to play in this as well. It begins with prayer, but it continues as we direct our thoughts. Verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What's he saying? Don't dwell on the bad stuff. Don't dwell on the negatives. Use your mind. Direct your mind to think on good God stuff. So, in life, when you encounter lies and falsehoods, instead of just letting that get you down and go, oh, this is terrible, dig into the truth. Concentrate on truth and find how lovely truth is. When when those around you are being despicable or immoral, concentrate on what's honourable. When all you can see is injustice and people suffering, 
Fix your mind on the justice of God. When you encounter that which is vile and obscene, think about what's lovely and pure and commendable. If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. But, but let me be really clear here. He's not talking about positive thinking. You know what I mean by positive thinking? That's where, oh, if you just think that everything's going to turn out all right, then it'll be good. He's not talking about that. What he's saying here is bad stuff's still going to happen. It always does. And when it does, if we just concentrate on the evil, if we just concentrate on the brokenness, if we just concentrate on the injustices of this world, then, then we're just going to keep digging a deeper and deeper pit of depression and we're just going to get more and more anxious. In Christ, we don't need to focus on this stuff because in prayer, we can hand it all over to him and it's not our problem anymore. In Christ, we can focus on what is true and honourable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and then we've got reason to praise him. And this isn't just airy-fairy stuff. Paul's living this example. Uh, when Paul wrote this, he was in prison. You know, we can read some other accounts of when he was in prison and that they were singing praises and glory to God. Um, now, it, but it, if anyone had reason to be depressed, it was Paul. He's stuck in prison when he's writing this. Um, if anyone had reason to be anxious, it was Paul because he could very well be executed. And in fact, he ended up getting executed. But he wasn't anxious and he wasn't depressed. And so he puts himself up as a role model here. Verse 9, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. He could, he could speak with authority because he's living it. He's confined in prison and, and yet all the way through this letter that he's written, he finds reasons for giving thanks to God. You know, um, one of the most difficult things in pastoral ministry is when somebody's depressed but they just want to stay where they are. If we stay where we are, we're never going to be able to get out of that pit. Um, and often I've, I've spoken with people who, you know, some people will sometimes actually come looking for help when they're a non-Christian. They'll come to, to me as a pastor or, or to a church looking for help. How how can, like you people, seem to be pretty joyful? Um, maybe that's my answer. I'll come and, and you just tell me how, how I can get rid of this depression. But they don't do the actual thing that they need to do. That's give their heart to Jesus. Um, because none of this, of what we've talked about today, helps unless we're in relationship with Jesus. That image that we had before of that rock sheltering that bird. That God is our rock when we are his people. 
um, if we're not his people, um, there's no reason for us to think that we're going to get this shelter. There's no reason for us to think that we're going to get this joy. We're not talking about just giving few people a few exercises to, you know, do these few exercises and, and your depression and anxiety is going to go. It actually has to begin with giving our hearts to Jesus. And he takes away our sin. And so, are you anxious? Pray. Are you depressed? Pray. Are you distressed? Because there's so much brokenness in the world. We'll give your distress over to God. And look and see what God has done. And rejoice in what God has done for you. Look and see what God is doing. And think on these things. And give God praise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for all that is good. We want to thank you for all that is just and righteous and lovely and commendable and excellent. Lord, sometimes we can get ourselves so fixated on, on all of the bad and all of the evil, so much so that we, we might even start inventing dangers and things in our minds such that it almost cripples ourselves emotionally. Lord, is that because there's too much of self? Lord, when we chose to follow you, we put to death the old man, we put to death the old self, and we were born again as your children. Lord, we ask that you would guard our hearts and our minds because our minds can be so deceitful and our hearts can be so fearful. And so, Lord, we ask that you would renew our hearts and that you would renew our minds and that we would think in your goodness and think on your love and on your splendour and that we would feel and know and experience your peace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.